0: I'm Mel Stewart, and this is the Swim Swim Podcast. Today, we have a powerhouse in the sport of swimming, serving on Olympic staffs from 1980 to 2004, USA National Team Director 2006 to 2010. He was in Mission Viejo, or an organization that he turned into a dynasty. He's now moving on to launch a new elite training program at Saddleback El Toro Swim Team. Today, we have Mark Schubert. How are you doing, buddy? Good, Mel pleasure to be here. I can talk to you for hours. (laughs) I can talk to you for hours. How much time do we have? I think we both know too much about each other. We do know too much about each other. And I, and I want to say this in the front end, I, I, I talked to some of my peers and I was like, Hey, what, you know, what, what would you, what would you talk about? And they were overwhelmed. They didn't, they, they were like, this is with Mark. This, this man is carrying the sport on his shoulders I, I in my phone. You didn't believe me, but in my phone, I have you under the heading King of swimming.
1: Remember that? Yes, I do remember
0: that. And, uh, you are always a man of humor. <laughs> you didn't. You didn't believe me, but that's that's this. That's people have to have thumbnails. That's how they remember them. I, and I should say this on the outset: the, uh, you know, when I was I was on the national team for ten years, and when you're on the national team and you're you know you start out as a kid and you develop over the years and you become an adult, uh, you're this first few years are scary, and for me they were scary, and just being in your presence made me feel okay. And, and I'm sure people have told you that in the past but it was uh, it was a part of it was a part of how I existed those first three to four years Has anyone ever said that to you uh, I have been known to be
1: scary I don't know why I think I'm a pr- pretty pleasant likable guy but that's
0: just my opinion I, mean, I, I, I didn't say, I, I'm not saying that I said I felt secure when I was there with you when I was a kid I felt... I felt like I was okay. I could manage my nerves. I was, I was solid. That's why I would always slide up and try to eat at your table. And, uh, (laughs) I just, I like being in your presence because I felt like you had this, you had control of this. And if you did, I was all right. Well, you
1: certainly were all right. I'll never forget that swim (laughs) in uh, Barcelona. That was
0: fantastic. Um, so I'm to I want to at the top I'm, I'd like to get into your history a little bit in the past just because I have some questions because I, I haven't been able to personally ask you these questions and and, and it's interesting about your history, but uh, let's at, at the start of this I need to say that uh, Bradley Schumacher who is is a buddy and a close peer two-time uh, water polo Olympian two-time Olympic medalist. Um, he's the director of this program and uh, he's executive director. And he said, Mel, we're doing this. We're doing this with Schubert. He's going to head up our elite training program. He's creating a five-year strategic strategic plan. Um, you know, what's, you know, how did this come about and what, uh, you know, what excites you about it?
1: Well, you know, I retired from the Natadors and I was retired for 11 days and Bradley called me up and, uh, presented this idea which I really couldn't turn down. I mean, being able to just coach an elite group and uh, everything else is kind of done for me by Tim Teeter, who's the general manager and also age group coach, uh, you know, and director of the program. And uh, the support that Bradley's giving me is, is fantastic.
0: It's, um, well, I, I, he blew my phone up. He's like, you're not, he goes, I've got news. You're going to like this. And, uh, he's, he, he wanted to tell me before he wanted to tell me and he couldn't tell me, I'm like, why are you calling to tell me this? If you know, why are you calling to try to tell me something when you can't explain it? But, uh, he, he said he was excited about it and he's like, you got to talk to Mark. Uh, I want to talk to you about coaching philosophy and, and, and where you're at right now. And in terms of just, uh, what, 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 what should athletes expect when they step on deck with you for this elite training group? Let's start there. Well, the, the goal of the group
1: is to help athletes become as good as they can be. Uh, right now, we have quite a few outstanding uh, high school athletes that are going to be swimming at the junior nationals next week. But, you know, really, we want to try to help them become as good as they want to be and uh, motivate them to have high goals and train toward those goals. You know, I, I also often feel like a swimming coach job is to get people to do what they don't want to do. But most of these guys really want to swim hard and swim fast. and uh, it's, it's just uh, really gratifying to be part of their program.
0: It is my experience that if I'm ever on a team with someone, or if I'm ever in business with someone, there's going to become a moment where they really get mad at me. They, I can smile all day. I'll be your best friend in the world. Uh, you know, we can, we can go along. long day, but there's a point when they get really upset and that, and this is that moment. The moment is when they realize that the expectation is uh, they might've thought the work was, you know, so big, but it turns out to be times 10 or some factor that's much higher than was in their head. And it's it's a realization. And they either to get mad at me or they go away. Is that experience? Is that an experience that you've had over the years? Well, I, I think it's my job, hopefully, to
1: get them to a point where they don't get mad at me. But certainly it has been my experience. Um, you know, I think you have to explain why you're doing the work, uh, how it relates to them and what you expect of them. Uh, You know, a lot of people say that the youth today is different. I don't find them that much different. I think what's different is coaches don't really ask enough of them. And I'm not talking about yardage, but I'm talking about intensity
0: and the work necessary to be a champion. Um, When you you were 23 in 1972, when you took over at Mission, is that correct? 23 years old. That's right. 23 years old. That's extraordinary. If you're, so I I was uh, an age grouper throughout the 1970s, became an elite into the 80s. But you know, if you lived in swimming, you lived in this culture, in this swimming family. Um, there was, everyone knew your name. You created the dynasty. Uh, let's see, 44, were there 44 national championship, club team national championships? Is that right? Yeah, it, w- it was always the goal
1: since I read Life Magazine back in the 60s and the uh, article was about George Haynes in Santa Clara, it was always the goal to develop a program like that. Um, I really idolized George, he was my hero. Uh, He was a tremendous uh, part of my career. When I was young, I used to go up there once or twice a month and watch him run practice and, and he was so gracious. Um, but the, probably the highlight of my young life was when we won our first nationals in 74, um, uh, George won the men and the women and, uh, Mission Viejo won the, uh, sorry, George won the men and the combined and Mission Viejo won the women and having been pushed in the pool with George and then standing in the locker room, soaking wet and have him congratulate me was really just like a dream come true. Cause he was, he was really an icon
0: and you were a child you were 25
1: i was a child no doubt about that
0: you were twi- 25 what do you know when you're 25 you don't know anything i'm 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 over 50 and i still don't know anything well we know what we don't know and we know that uh you're always learning if you're going to be the best and if you're learning you're living and you got purpose in the 1970s when i was a kid it was uh so the oxygen that you breathed was was uh, you know a lot of big names a lot of big stars and you were, as, as for a child for me, you were it. It was, it was, uh, it was Doc Councilman. My coach, Frankie Bell, my, my age group coach, Frankie Bell, she really, she loved Doc Councilman. So I got Doc Councilman's type of training, but she would always put swimming world in front of me and put your picture in front of me. So at the time, I, the first time I went to national championships was in Mission Viejo in the early 80s. And I went. I went hunting for you. I was trying to see. I was trying to see all the people that I that I knew in the sport, from the media. And I found you, and you were there in your little red nylon shorts, which were in <laughs> vogue at the time. And I, and I just stood uh, ag- agape. But uh, the shorts were little, Mel. They were little. They were little. It's it's a. When, when you're you know this might be helpful for young coaches but you're you, you know you, you said it you you went and you you sought out George and you and you sought him out as a mentor and he allowed you on deck what's your advice to kids who are excuse me not kids young adults who are building their coaching careers into their 20s what's what's uh what's 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 the gem of wisdom for Mark Schubert
1: well I went to the University of Kentucky and that was a history and political science major wanting to be a lawyer. My dad said that uh, I'd never make a living out of swimming, but uh, I went into swimming anyway. And when I was at Kentucky, I used to go visit Doc Councilman. I used to go up to Cincinnati and visit Paul Bergen. When I moved to California, as I said, I visited George, I visited Sherm Shavor, I visited Peter Dalen and uh, Ron Bellatore. And that's how I got my education as far as swimming is concerned. And the thing that I noticed, it wasn't just X's and O's. It wasn't just the workouts themselves. It was the personality that they put in the workout, and in a lot of cases, the psychology that they brought to the workout that would motivate the kids.
0: It's – when a great coach asks you to do something, they do it in a way where uh, – if they say it, and you're, and you, and you know that you can do it. You might be afraid, but you know that you can do it. And a, and a small part of you really wants to see to do it. Um, I, I never chose to coach because uh, I don't, I don't know that I really had that skill. But you had to develop this over time. What, what's your? So if you're stepping on deck and your and and your athletes have to get after it that morning, uh, what's some what what what's something that you do? When you know you're going to drop a whopper on them.
1: Well, I uh, learned a lot also from Richard Quick, who was a good friend. Uh, And I remember Jenny Thompson giving a um, interview one time. And somebody asked her, why did you think you could break a world record? And she said, because my coach told me I could. And and that's very much like what you just said. Uh, And I think uh, what you need to do is tell them what you think they can do, challenge them to do it. If they don't do it, tell them, well, next time you'll challenge yourself and get it done.
0: Do you ever have a moment with an athlete, maybe a story from your past where you recognize the talent of this athlete? We see this all the time, decade over decade. We always see talent emerge. They sit on top of the water like a spider. They have a perfect feel. They don't have the head. Their head isn't developed yet. Do you have an example of somebody who who is just an extraordinary talent, but it it, you had to get them over the edge with their confidence? (laughs) You don't really expect me to tell you a name, do you? (laughs) I do. I expect you. I I expect you say Don Sholan. Who knows? It could be anybody. It's, uh, well,
1: I, I think the most talented athlete I've ever coached was Jesse Visayo. He had a tremendous feel for the water. And, uh, you know, he came with his family to Mission Viejo from Puerto Rico. And uh, he knew he was good, but he didn't know how good. But he wasn't afraid to jump in the water and swim with Shirley Babishoff, who often would swim over top of boys that got in her way, and Brian Goodell. And challenge himself. And, uh, you know, I always told him he could. I told him he could be a world record holder. And he must have believed me because he, he became a world record holder and one of the most dominant uh, swimmers in the late 70s.
0: Pound for pound, the, fast, the, the fastest swimmer on earth, certainly for a long period of time. He, he was a tough kid, that's for sure. I, I imagine he was the, the, the fastest flutter kicker in the world. Uh, hands down, I'm, I, it seemed like his kick was extraordinary. And I have a little bit of insight into this. It seemed like he he could kick and just leave people behind. He On could. Board. And, you know, I
1: think that the credit for dolphin kicking went to those backstrokers uh, in 88 that uh, kicked all the way underwater. But Jesse was really the first one to dolphin kick and believe it or not his dad told him to do that because his kick was so good told him the dolphin kick underwater before he broke out and uh, he just became great at that
0: i trained with uh, sal his south asia his younger brother and um, and he and I, I i beat everybody always in practice I had to step on him but i could not we we'd get on the on a board and kick and i couldn't i couldn't do it he'd take me i'm like how did you you know, I'm like, how did this happen? Because it's it's boggling my mind. And he's like, I just try to stay up with my brother. I've spent my entire life trying to stay up with my brother. <laughs> yeah, he was uh, he was really something
1: and fun to coach.
0: Well, it, it's uh, I could spend an entire I could, we could spend hours talking about your history and talking about all of, all of these athletes and, and and I can mine stories if you would share names. Yeah, I appreciate you dropping Jesse on us. Um. But you, know, you said this at the outset, and you gave me a little insight into, into something that's very interesting today, where as, a, as, as we stand right now on the eve of 2022, a lot of people think that the philosophy of training has changed and that athletes don't have the, the, the grit to, to do honest work. Uh, and, and what I'm hearing from you is that that's not the case. What I'm hearing from you is that, that, that this history in our sport where athletes bring their grit to the pool still exists. What makes you think that? Well, I've coached
1: a lot of high school kids the last 10 years, and they do what you ask them to do or try their best. And that's why I don't believe they've changed. And I think coaches need to challenge them. Just like you said, if you ask somebody to do something, they're going to do their best to do it. I think the philosophy of the sport has changed. And certainly my philosophy has changed in that the quality of the workout has changed. It's not just distance, distance, distance. It is distance for the distance swimmers, but the quality and the speed that workouts are done is amazingly better. It's,
0: uh, it's, it seems as though uh, in the 70s and 80s, we trained in second, second gear, maybe third gear. All the time. And then in, in fits and starts throughout the season, we'd jump up and do something faster. You'd descend down and do a few things fast. And it seems like the philosophy now is that you have to take that intensity and bring it on a almost on a daily basis. How much, how much of, if I'm, if I'm swimming for you, I jump in the water today and I'm 18 years old. I'm 17 years old. And I want to swim at the right college. And I want to be an elite athlete. Um, and I swim the 400 meter free and the 400 I am, and I want to do 200 free. What, what, what's, what's my work week look like with Mark Schubert?
1: Well, we train three mornings, uh, school day mornings a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Uh, and we train for two hours. We train for two hours in the afternoon. Uh, we train Saturday morning for two hours, and we weight train three times a week. Uh, I think that one of my goals is to have a senior enter a good four-year college program, and not have to take a year to catch up with the rest of the team. I would like them to enter the college like a sophomore, both
0: in the water and in the weight room. That first year, that freshman year, is uh, that's a cold splash of water in your face. Um, <laughs> It, 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 you know what it is. I and I think a lot of it is, the, is the you're 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 suddenly in in the water with a lot of racehorses. So the intensity goes up just because of your ego, and you're going to try and stay there and and race. But the weight room kills you. You know, you're especially for young men. I I don't have the experience of a woman, but it's um, it seems like that freshman year you you're 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 playing catch up all the time. That's interesting that you would say you want, you want your athletes to enter, the, enter their freshman year and, and look like a sophomore. I like that.
1: Well, as far as the weight training is concerned, you know, it's, it's not only adjusting to lifting weights, but it's adjusting to how to lift weights. And uh, hopefully when they enter college, they've got a good strength coach that's going to teach them all those things. But there's a lot of learning that takes place. We have a great strength coach that's in our program. His name is Stan Wada. And he was a strength coach at San Diego State and uh, does a lot of personal training now. And he joined our team and has made a tremendous difference in the strength of our athletes.
0: I don't want to beat a dead horse on this topic, but I I do have to share some insecurities about um, what I think about the sport. Um, Before the Olympic Games, you know, in, in the back of my head, I was wondering about our grit. Team USA's grit, and I measure it by our distance events. And uh, you know, we've got Katie Ledecky, and we 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 perform. But on the men's side, I I felt like we're not there. And uh, I was surprised. I was surprised by and and I don't measure yards. I to me, yards is is the play pool. It's the kiddie pool. If you can't do it in meters, or I you know I'm 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 a bit of an ass. I think I don't think you're a real swimmer. Uh, you've got to be able to maintain your body position for 50 meters and do it in all your events. Fink surprised me and inspired me. And, and I felt a little bit stupid. I felt like I should have known, I should have seen that coming. Did you see that coming? Did you see that his performance coming?
1: I certainly didn't see it coming. And uh, obviously, we were all really gratified. And hopefully, between Ledecky and Fink, it's going to motivate young people to be distance swimmers and we'll be able to compete with the Europeans and the Australians in those events. It's, it's been sad that for so many years, you know, we were finalists, but not podium swimmers. And there's no reason for that.
0: Have we waned? Has, have we waned in terms of our building a base, you know, since the two thousands, have we, we got a little soft there with that, with that background? Well,
1: Let's face it, um, people that get college scholarships are people that can score in three individual events and swim relays. And I think when we went to 200 relays, as exciting as they are, uh, people wanted to become 50 swimmers. And if you look at the great distance swimmers, they can sprint. They have to have speed to be successful, but they also have to train.
0: I wanted to be a
1: 50 freestyler so bad. Well, you were just a 200 flyer Mel,
0: and just admit it. Wanted it so badly. It was never going to happen, not in this universe or, or, or endless others. The, uh, it's, it's my hope that, that Fink and Ledecky inspire a whole new generation and that we're not afraid of work and that we do the work. The funny thing is that I left the sport for a while and when I came back, I, I remember one of the first coaches that I saw at one of the meets we, it was just, it was, I was, I think I was working for swim network, which was USA swimming's failed attempt at, at a news website, but I sat down and I, but I was, I was back on deck and able to talk to folks. And I, and, and I, I look over and Greg Troy sits down. He looks at me and he goes, Mel, I don't know if kids are doing enough work now. They're not doing honest work. Just, just want to let you know you're, you're back in the sport now, but I'm not so sure we're doing honest work. Um, I felt like I understood that. Could you define honest work for me? What's your definition of honest work in the pool?
1: Well, I think if you're a distance swimmer, you have to be doing three, four, five, and occasionally uh, 6,000 yards or meters work. And um, you have to be doing it fast. And the term best average, is probably used a little bit more than descending, although I, I do a lot of my sets descending. But they're
0: fast. And, and I, I had a conversation with Bowman once, and I said, "Hey, give me a, give me an idea of a set that I might like." And he goes, "Mel, here's a set for you: twenty fifties butterfly." And I and I might screw it up, and I'll hear from him if I do. It, it was I think it was twenty fifties butterfly meters off the block on the one thirty. And he's 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 like you got to hold two hundred fly pace descending down to maybe a second uh, fifty of a hundred fly pace, and he says I'm looking for the wobble. He's looking for those athletes to get up on fifteen and, and they start to wobble because it's too much. It's like I like that. That's a fun set. I'd like to dig into that. Do you do, can, you, have you, a, a, do you have a do you have a go to set? No, you could have done that without a
1: doubt. Well, I, you know I like. Basically, I like to consider myself a 400 IM coach because I think it's my job to teach people to swim four strokes, to teach them uh, to do those strokes well, and to teach them to have the endurance swim a 400 IM. I think 200 fly, 400 IM, 1650, you know, I think those are the most challenging events. And I think if you can develop an athlete not to have fear of the 400 IM, I think you've been successful. But uh, I I remember uh, Jesse doing nine four hundred ims, and actually Brian did it too. Brian Goodell uh, descending one to three on five minutes, and this was long course, and he went under four thirty on the fast ones, and the world record at the time was four twenty four, which he broke. Um, But you know that was an example of guys racing. And as you know, uh, Brian Goodell won the uh, NC A's in the 400 IM three times in his career. But uh, they always challenged themselves. Uh, Casey Converse was in that group too, and they were uh, just racing their hearts out every day in practice.
0: It's uh, there's a, there's a story that I really like, and it's it's one that Eddie Reese shares, and it and it's uh, and I don't know that he shared. I think you shared it. And it was that you when you were considering the the position at the University of Texas to coach the women, that he met you somewhere in a connecting flight and flew with you, even though he wasn't going to that destination. He just he took this flight just to sit by you and talk. Is that is that a true story? That is a true story. And I was amazed when he showed
1: up on that flight. Uh, And, of course, uh, at the time I was living in Florida and I don't know how he. He got to Florida, but obviously he flew there from Texas and then we flew back. Uh, Eddie was, you know, even though I was a pretty established coach, Eddie was a tremendous mentor. And I learned in four years so much about not just training, but how to motivate people. I remember uh, the women on that team Complaining to me that we didn't have enough team meetings because the men were always having team meetings, and they were always, uh, you know, doing thirty-one hundreds. But that was Eddie getting in their head, and he not only got in their head about swimming, but he got in their head about life. I have so much respect for him.
0: It's uh, that that makes sense. It's, he's sort of this person where if you, if you go out, we're swim fans based in Austin. So I'll go to dinner and it's at a point when my, when my, when my wife who's helped us launch this business is she's had enough of swimming, not a swimmer. And she, she doesn't want to have anything to do with swimming after a certain period of time at night, we'll sit down to dinner and Eddie Reese will sit down with his wife somewhere in the vicinity. This is a big city, but that happens a lot. So he's uh, he gets into everybody's head. I can't get him out of my head. Yeah, he's he's definitely a special
1: human being, and not just a special coach, but a special human being. And uh, I'm I'm always impressed, always have been impressed with the quality of athletes as people that come out of his program.
0: In in terms of the uh, what you're what you're doing there at, at this, at, at your elite training group, are you going to have flexibility to, to bring in talent that is, uh, maybe not us based talent. Can you bring in athletes from around the world? Can you, can you build this program Can you build this elite training group the way you want to build it? I think so. And, and, you know, it, it always
1: has been my philosophy where I've accepted athletes from other countries. I have to say that, you know, some of the most satisfying experiences with athletes is when they become Americans. I've sponsored a number of athletes who have become Americans and how much they appreciate training in the United States and our way of life. But they create the atmosphere that I want to see as far as work. Because if you're going to sacrifice coming from your country to swim in the United States, you're into it. And, uh, you know, they push the Americans and my team to go
0: fast. In the the 1970s, my understanding is that the Russian team, the Soviet team, uh, trained at mission. Is that correct?
1: Yes. It it wasn't just uh, the Soviets and the mission uh, kids. Uh, USA Swimming at the time wanted to improve distance swimming, and they brought all the best Distance swimmers to Mission Viejo to train against each other, and that was quite a bloodbath. It, it was really fun.
0: So Salnikov, Salnikov. on deck, Salnikov. on Salnikov. deck, huh?
1: With you, Salnikov was in there. I'll tell you an interesting story about Salnikov. Uh, we used to train at Mission Viejo High School in the morning, uh so we could train two hours. They'd be done at eight o'clock and have to be a class at eight fifteen, and they complained about it, but you know, tough. They did it. Um, but one day we we're training in the morning and the sets and everything were going fine. Everybody was working hard. And then Salnikov got out of the water and came up to me and he goes, coach, is this a new American training method? And I said, what do you mean, Vladimir? He goes, the water is so cold and nobody said anything for an hour. They just worked. And uh, it was below 70, and I did let him out. It was awesome.
0: Have you talked to him recently? Have you seen him recently? I usually see him at international
1: events because, you know, he's a big part of their federation and, and uh, their program. And uh, we're, we're very friendly. And, you know, the most disappointing thing, I think, was the boycott in 1980 and not being able to see the rematch of Brian Goodell and Vladimir Solnikov.
0: Vladimir uh, Vladimir Salnikov looks like a Russian oligarch right now. He's about fifty pounds heavier. Smiles, I love his smile. We had I had him on the podcast. He was a lot of fun, but the uh, he is always interesting to talk to. And of course, he loves the sport of swimming. Uh, Vladimir Salnikov, best flip turn in the sport in history, or worst flip turn in the sport in history? Well.
1: Let's put it this way. He was a lot better than a lot of other people during that age. I know if you look at the 1500 race in 76, the kids really laugh at the turns, uh, the shallow push-offs and uh, things of that nature, not to mention the suits. So you remember
0: the suits, right, Mel? The, the, they were sweaters, weren't they? <laughs> Now, this So if anybody is young listening to this, what it's <clears throat> Vladimir would flip and he wouldn't go underwater. He'd just push off and start swimming, which is, uh, which is, is mind boggling. Um, in, so that's interesting. So you can, you with, with this new elite training group, you're going to have the latitude to do what you want. Um, I like that. That's that checks out. Um, you know, when you, you've, You've been at a few places, and, uh, and and you've left a few places. And and when my friends have asked what's going on, I've always said, "In the room, they didn't realize that Mark was the CEO of swimming." And uh, <laughs> that's always my response. It's like, and I'm making a joke out of it, but I, I do have a. I, you know, how do you feel about this in in terms of our sport? I feel like there's there should be admin and management of our sport. And then there should be the person with knowledge who's directing what's happening in the pool. And I feel like there should be a separation. There should be some church and state. Uh, Does that make sense to you? Does that check out? Yeah, that makes
1: sense. And I think that was one of the things that was so exciting about uh, going with Bradley Schumacher, because I work with him and I always say I work for him. And he always says, no, this is a partnership. And uh, he really, Treats me like that. Uh, I know his experience as an Olympian in two sports, and he appreciates what we're doing as far as trying to develop a very high level of performance with our
0: group. If I'm a young athlete or I'm a parent and I'm thinking, hey, you know, we, got Mark, we got Mark Schubert down there in Southern California. He's got an elite training group. We need to be thinking about this. Uh, what should they do? What, which, what should their expectations be? What should their responsibilities be? coming to you well
1: the group very simply is no compromise uh attendance is expected uh, best effort is expected uh, knowledge is expected where they're uh reaching out and trying to get more knowledge every day and you know i think they're going to get a lot faster not just because of my presence but because of the presence of the other great athletes i, I think um if there's been a secret to my success, it's been the fact that I've been blessed with a group of good athletes that push themselves.
0: Everybody has, let me take a step back from that. It's, it's, it's really easy to judge careers by colors of medals and, and, and the star names in the sport and all of our accolades with, uh, NC two, a championships, which you've had three NC two, a team titles, uh, And and you could just go through this long list of names. But when I think about swim, I often think about, and I brought this name up before, I think about this guy, Eric Top, who never should have been a finalist at Olympic trials. The guy could barely walk. I think his best time in the 500 free was a 503. But he finaled. When I went to trials, he finaled in, in the 200 butterfly. That guy worked a lot harder than I did. No one inspired me as much as him. This guy killed himself. Do you, do you have examples of that where you've seen these young swimmers come in and it's like they, they shouldn't have achieved what they achieved and they did it just on hard work?
1: Certainly we've seen a lot of that. And uh, sometimes we have to uh, help them out because they're so hard on themselves because maybe they aren't as good as they want to be. I remember – Probably one of the greatest swimmers I ever had the opportunity to coach was Mary T. Maher in 83 and uh, 84, preparing for Los Angeles. And she was so hard on herself because in the 100 fly, she never uh, could break that world record that she set when she was, I don't know, 13 or 14. But she was a tremendous worker, a great freestyler as well as flyer. And uh, I have always had tremendous respect for her.
0: I got to call out a buddy of mine, a 400. I am her uh, Jeff Kostoff. I got, I, I just got to say he's, he, if, if, if he goes this deep into the podcast, he, he's going to hear this. Um, when I asked, when I asked Jeff about that 579 hundred fly, I think it was a 579 by Mary T. He gets the clock malfunction. Mel, she didn't go that fast. Nobody could go that fast. Well, when, when, <laughs> and, I, and, he, when, and I think, and the feeling, I was like, you're jealous. When you skip a whole second and a
1: hundred to break a world record, everybody absolutely was in shock. Um, yeah. I don't think she went 58 for a long time. You know, she was 59 and then she was 57, nine.
0: And when you'd go to Olympic trials, Olympic games, mostly I was I would measure things by Olympic trials after Olympic trials. It was always n- Who's going to dip into the 205-92-200 fly? Um, she, she told me something uh, years ago, and, uh, and I asked her about it decades later. And she goes, I don't remember telling you that, but it was burned into my brain. This was, you know, if, I don't know if you're a religious person, but if you're not, you, you understand the, the, the metaphor. To me, I took it as, as gospel from the word of God because it was coming from Mary T. She might as well have been a goddess of swimming. She yeah, said, she, it was. she said, if you swim fly so much and you train it so much to where it actually becomes easier than freestyle because you'll probably become a world record holder and a gold medalist. And, uh, and I believed it. And I trained that way. Um, Do you have any, do you have any, 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 any coaching philosophies, any nuggets like that?
1: Well, I'll, I'll give you a story about Mary T. Uh, Like you said, she always wanted to train fly. Uh, Every once in a while, we would have lake swims in Lake Mission Viejo, and it's a mile long, and they would go down, and then I would have them race back, and Mary T beat the rest of the team swimming butterfly in open water swim.
0: It was absolutely amazing. Maybe she should have added that if everybody swims freestyle in open water, and you do it fly, and you beat them all, (laughs) you'll truly be an elite (laughs) whose time lasts for decades. Well, we had some
1: pretty good swimmers and some pretty good distance swimmers. And, um, everybody just talked about that for years.
0: Is there, is there, it's it, swimming's a tough sport. It's, um, I, I think that if you're, but I cannot imagine the, the consistency and, and having the focus to be there on deck day in and day out as a coach forever, but people, it seems like it gets into your heart and you're there. And, uh, and you do it. And, and when people do it, they do it until the end of time, their time. W- what is it? What is it about the sport that keeps bringing you back? What is it that, that that's gotten into your heart?
1: I think that the great thing about swimming and coaching swimming is that every season is completely different. You're swimming with, or you're coaching different personalities. You're coaching the same personalities at different times in their career and it's never the same. And when I get up in the morning and the alarm goes off, I'm usually thinking about my best one or two swimmers. And not that I'm not concerned about the rest, but they help me put my feet on the floor in the morning uh, with no hesitation. Who's your favorite swimmer of all time? Oh, boy, that's a tough one. You know, you know I, I... uh I'd have to say Janet Evans was one. Uh, Shirley Babashoff was another, uh, as I mentioned before, Shirley trained like a man. And if a man got in front of her, she would swim over them. Uh, she was so tough. Uh, Brian was certainly one of my favorites because he was the first gold medalist at, at Mission Viejo. Uh, Jesse was certainly there. And, um, you know, we've we've had a lot of champions, but they all certainly ranked right up there. Not Eric, Eric Namesnick was great. Uh, he was in our program when he was in high school. Uh, Lenny Krasilberg, Brad Bridgewater, uh, all of those guys were fun to coach. I remember I had a new assistant coach one time show up at USC, and we had a guy from Hungary who had actually won the NC Tways and the 200 free. And they were doing a set of nine 200s and Brad and Lenny were staying up with him going 143s for 200 yards backstroke while he went 143s, 200 freestyle. And the guy looked at me and he, he looked at his watch and he goes, is that right? And I just said to him, get used to it. You've been listening to the Swim Swam podcast. Stay tuned for new episodes every week. You can take Swim Swam podcast on the go by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. Look for links in the description below and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more videos as well.